1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Nick Ashew on the fan. I'm at Nick Ashew on Twitter. Uh, Todd just tweeted me. He's listening in Savannah. Tampa was better on paper is what he says. You're right. So that's, and that's, well, Tampa last year, they did lose, but of course, Tampa this year when they beat them. So, yeah, listen, there's, it's, it's not just about how a team is constructed, but it also is about how they're playing at that given moment. And that's, that's where Washington is. They're playing really good football at this given moment. I mean, think around the NFL right now and the wild parody that we have had around the NFL this year. All right. You've had just this influx of, drama every single week even more than usual if we're you know if we're talking about just the normal parody that the NFL has but you got the Patriots have won seven straight games the Dolphins believe it or not has won five they look the Dolphins have a chance to make the playoffs at six and seven that's how this NFL season has gone the Chiefs have won five in a row which is you feel like they're starting to get things right and then after that Washington's won four in a row they're one of the hotter teams in the NFL right now, other than the Patriots and the Chiefs and the Dolphins, who have more wins in a row than them. Their four-game win streak is right up there as one of the hottest teams in the NFL. And if you look at this year, like, parity overall is it's, it's a good thing, right? You want parity in the NFL if you're just watching it just from a fan's perspective. Like, take Washington out of it for a second. Right. If you're watching other if you if you watch watch, you're probably watching other football, at least a little bit, too. Right. You pay attention to it. The, the parody is fun. You want to watch games that are close. You want to have late season stretches, have games that matter for a lot of different teams. The league certainly wants that. It's better for every professional sports league to have more games that matter late in the year and not have teams just focused on tanking. Now, we're not there yet, but there too much can be a bad thing, and the NFL's not quite there. Though I do worry at times, like, where are the villains in the NFL? You're kind of lacking that villain. It was the Patriots for so long. Do you hate the Patriots the same way that you used? If you hated the Patriots when Tom Brady was there, do you hate them now the same way that you did before? I'm sure some people do, but realistically, you're like, it's a rookie quarterback, this Mac Jones story is kind of cool. Maybe you just don't like Bill Belichick. Fine. The reality of it is, if we can all be honest with ourselves, and I'll put myself right in this group too, if you root against the Patriots, you're mostly just jealous because they've won a lot. And I don't want to hear, oh, Nick, well, they've cheated. Everybody's cheated. I'm telling you, yourteamscheats.com. It, it lists all of the things and violations that every team around the NFL has had. They've all done it. Patriots may be more egregious, but the reality of it is, I promise you would take the last two decades and take New England's history and what that franchise has done and trade it with who Washington's gone through. Right? Wouldn't you? I would. You would. Yes. Okay, cool. Now that we've established that. But if you look at right now, the ups and downs of this season, there was a point where the Dallas Cowboys were looked at as one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But now you're looking at a team that's lost three of five, and a lot of people are having the conversation of, mm, I don't know. They're pretty flawed. But the reality of it is, Just about every team in the NFL does have some major flaws. Some are more egregious than others, but think of where we are. I mean, Tampa was a Super Bowl favorite for a while, and then they lose to Washington, and they're struggling a little bit, and now you're kind of going, okay, well, maybe Tampa's back again, and Rams have lost three straight, and at one point, they were supposed to be the best team in the NFL, and now look at the Patriots climbing up in the AFC again, and The Ravens kind of got back in the conversation after they lost to Miami, but then they lose to the Steelers. You're going, well, maybe not them. Remember when the Chiefs were dead? Well, I just mentioned they won five straight. It is a roller coaster with the teams this year that are at the top of each conference and really even just in the middle. Even in the middle. So think about this. 21 teams right now in the NFL out of the 32 teams, 21 are within a game of 500 within a game of 500 we've got the Miami Dolphins at 6 and 7 are essentially the 13 seed in the AFC if you even want to look at what's going on in the NFC the Saints and the Falcons and the Panthers and the Vikings that's going 12 through 9 all 5 and 7 all a game out essentially of a playoff spot Philadelphia six and 7 But when you look at that, I mean, that's Washington has one more win than all of them. And, and this parity can help certainly benefit Washington in that sense, right? Because we just don't know what's going to happen week by week. And you're watching a Cowboys team still trending in the wrong direction. Meanwhile, the team here has won four straight. So it makes the argument of just how good a team is on paper, and you do kind of throw it out. And now there are a lot of people starting to jump back on the bandwagon, and I'm talking outside of this area. Because that's, that's really where I gauge it, right? Like, honestly, this fan base, I know we can all be a little crazy. I mean, I, look, I'm a fan of the team, but I'm not in that realm anymore. I just, I, I've been emotionally drained for so long by them. But I do gauge in how you feel about this team outside of D.C., outside of that fan base. That's when I really start to see what kind of momentum – They're making when it becomes a national story again with how Washington's playing and whether or not they could beat Dallas. That has been a national story this week and it matters. And I can promise you this on my national shows. I will be talking about it. Don't worry. (laughs) But like this is the stuff that matters. But think about Dallas. I mean, they they trailed by 30 against Denver and then they won by 40 the next week over the Falcons. But they've lost three of five. At one point, you're looking at this team at what, seven and one. Well, they weren't 7-1, whatever the hell they were. But see, like, it, it, every week, it, it, it just seems to change. 6-1. There you go. 6-1, not 7-1. It was close. A lot of other teams. Rams were 7-1. But it's just, it's been one of those wild seasons. It, it's incredibly hard to predict, and the parity is fun. I mean, look, going into the, pa- the games we just had the past week, 25 games this season have been decided on the final play. Washington's been a part of that. You just had a close game. At Vegas last week, 35 games heading into last week, the games we just had. Had the winning score come in the final minute of regulation or overtime. That's the fourth most through 12 weeks since the 1970 merger. We have more parity and more unpredictability than we have ever had before in the NFL. But let me ask you this. If you were—let's take just Washington and Dallas out of this, and let's look big picture in the NFL if you want to really talk about parity— Who do you really, truly have like unwavering, true confidence in as the one team that you could count on to win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, maybe you'd say Green Bay, but you could talk yourself out of Green Bay. I mean, Arizona's got the best record, but we haven't seen Kyler Murray in that position yet in the playoffs. Tampa? Well, maybe, but we've also watched them have some really bad losses this year. You go down the list... And you start to realize there's like no real favorite in the NFL this year. There's none. And it's, it makes this Sunday that much more predictable, but fun. But also, let's be honest, we got things on the line now for once, which actually really matters. <laughs> and it's going to make it that much better. But even just the rest of the way for Washington, I mean, look, you they control their own destiny to a point, right? You're now the sixth seed in the NFC. That's great. You also have a chance to cut Dallas's division lead down to one, which is I I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. But it's realistic, so I'll say it. Even though I still don't think it's going to happen. But you've also still got the Eagles and they're at 6 and 7, creeping in. You got the Eagles two more times, you got Dallas two more times, you got the Giants one more time, and the Giants can still play spoiler. You know, one of the things when I saw this schedule when it came out as opposed to playing the win-loss win-loss game, which is just a waste of time. I know we do it anyway, but it is really just a waste of time. You looked at the quarterback gauntlet at the beginning, and I was like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> look, at, look at who they've got to face at quarterback. Because it's not necessarily about the full team. It's just it's a quarterback-driven league. Show me the quarterbacks that you're going up against. That's the true test of your defense. But then on the back end, I looked at this and said, well, it's all NFC East teams. With the way that the NFC East has beaten up on each other over the years, and it always just seems to be you can hover around 500 and have a chance to win the division by the end of the season. It's like they're, they're going to be in this no matter what their record is. Somehow, some way, that will happen because that's what the NFC East does. And that's what happens when you have all of your division games stacked up at the end of the season. That's all that's left. Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. That's a hell of a way to end your season. But it also is now providing an insane amount of drama. But at the same time, it's also an opportunity for this team to control its own destiny. But it's not just getting ahead of Dallas. It's also pushing Philadelphia aside. And if Minshew Mania keeps going, look, it doesn't last long. But when it happens, it is a volcanic explosion of Minshew Mania. So... It's fun to watch, just not when it involves Washington. That, that's the only difference. So, you know, But it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a wild stretch down these last few weeks. That's for damn sure. Uh, there was a report out there today about Russell Wilson and where he may want to go. It does not involve Seattle, but it does involve an NFC East team. Nick Ashey won overtime.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
0: when a thought hits you. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional.
2: Post your free job on linkedincom recommend today. Nick Ashley won overtime. Make sure you listen on the Odyssey app if you're not listening to us right here on the Fan. Both work just fine. So Jordan Schultz, who hosts a bunch of podcasts, he didn't really like work spe- specifically for like a network, but nowadays. We're all in doing random stuff, right? Like, it's not, you don't just work for a couple networks anymore. This business has changed so much. But uh, Russell Wilson reportedly would waive his no-trade clause uh, for the Giants, the Broncos, and the Saints. Those are the three teams. Now, that doesn't mean that that may not change, that he may consider other teams. Because, of course, my thought is, man, if he said Washington, that would be so much fun today. But... If you're looking at a team like the Saints, that's a perfect spot for Russell Wilson. Broncos, good defense. There's certainly the talk about Aaron Rodgers going there, too, and wanting to go there. It seems to be a very uh, interesting spot. But the Giants, that's what worries me. Because right now, even though Daniel Jones plays Washington like a Pro Bowl quarterback, for some stupid reason, I don't know why, but he just seems to look like a Pro Bowl quarterback every time he plays if Russell Wilson were to go to the Giants, because most likely Dave Gettleman's finally out of there because that was a disaster and everybody knew it was going to be a disaster with the way that he got way too chesty about Daniel Jones. But if you have Russell Wilson in this division with Dak Prescott, and I'm not really sure what Philadelphia is doing at quarterback, but they'll have to. They've got a lot of first round picks. There's a chance that if it's not Jalen Hurts, which I don't think it is long term, there's somebody else possibly there that you got to figure out your quarterback situation if you're Washington, long-term. I love Taylor Heineke. I do. But he's not the long-term answer. But I'll tell you what, if he's your backup and you've got your franchise quarterback that you draft in a year or two, and you know that you've got Taylor Heineke waiting in the wings in case anything happens, or to even fill the gaps for that young quarterback to come along, whew, That's a great, that's a great position. People aren't getting excited enough about that. that If you have Taylor Heineke as your backup quarterback, you're in a really, really good place. But we've seen so much of this, you know, this quarterback mobility recently. And by mobility, I don't mean on the field, but I mean actually trying to figure out or control where they go next. And Tom Brady really set that. Kind of opened that door, sort of like LeBron James did when he took his talents to South Beach. And then Matt Stafford had a say in where he got traded to from Detroit. It wasn't Washington. They wanted him. He said, eh, ain't happening. Don't want to go there. And rightfully so. I don't blame him for wanting to go to the Rams. Despite the fact that they've lost three straight, that's a place you want to go. You're a quarterback. You want to be in Sean McVay's offense. But it'll be interesting to see if Russell Wilson this offseason, who looked very disinterested, playing quarterback for Seattle, against Washington on Monday Night Football. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. But let's just say that Russell Wilson does force his way out of Seattle. Aaron Rodgers does still want to leave, and eventually does leave Green Bay. I think that's maybe less likely as time goes on. Grass isn't always greener on the other side, Aaron, just, just letting you know. But you could see more and more of that. Quarterbacks have so much power in the NFL, given what they get paid. But it's very rare that we see these guys leave franchises because most of the time teams are willing to overpay just to keep a quarterback there that maybe could be a franchise quarterback. Like the conversation that Baker Mayfield, maybe in Cleveland, that that's been going on as long as it has with the inconsistencies that they've had with him at quarterback, shows you how desperate most teams are in this league to find that franchise guy. But if you're Washington and you continue to win And you continue to show that you've got some weapons on offense. You got an offensive line. That's good. And you allow a quarterback to play the way Russell Wilson does, which in some ways is kind of like Taylor Heineke, right? Russell Wilson fixes a lot of broken plays. He's had to work with some bad offensive lines and a lack of weapons in Seattle at times. And he has carried that team to the playoffs and has deserved MVP votes. And why that's still a thing, I don't get it but it just seems like it's never going to end with Russell Wilson. Not this year, but in the past. But maybe Washington can continue to win, and this team can even be close to 500. Remember, we can't finish 500 this year, but if they can at least be close to that, something along those lines. You become a more attractive free agent destination, and maybe even there's a veteran quarterback that's not Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson if neither one of them wants to come to Washington. But another one says, I actually would want to go there. I'd want to play there. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a possibility. The key for them is to show they're no longer a joke. And right now, they're looking less like a joke. They looked less like a joke at the end of last year, and then things started to get Washingtoniany again. I don't know how you would say the word. You get what I'm saying. If you can show that you are a capable organization again, you become more of a destination for players, players that really matter, players that you want. And, you know, if Russell Wilson's really tired of Seattle – I just hope at least if he doesn't come to Washington, he doesn't go to the Giants. Because the one thing you know is the Giants' ceiling is always limited with Daniel Jones at quarterback. You know, you see those flashes, you see those moments, and you're like, oh, man, like, I get it. I see what they see in him with the mobility, and sometimes he can make these big plays. But, man, and he doesn't turn the ball over as much as he used to. But you're just kind of looking at him going, I think we see your ceiling. I think it's decent quarterback, inconsistent. And, And there's nothing worse as a quarterback, than being inconsistent. At least if you have a ceiling, but you know what you're getting from that guy every single week, week in and week out. That's better than flashes of brilliance and then the really low times. That's the worst. Because it's not like you're playing receiver. It's not like you're a linebacker. I mean, you're a quarterback. The ball is in your hands at the beginning of every single play. You are dictating where the offense goes, decisions that are made, unless you're handing it off to running back. I mean, that, that's it. It's so important to have a consistent guy at quarterback that also stays healthy, right? Because also, if you're not on the field, that kind of goes in the whole consistency aspect there. And if you're not consistently on the field, then you can't play consistently. What's the point? You got to find somebody else. Because how can you game plan every single week, not knowing what mood or mindset your starting quarterback's going to be in? But I'll tell you what, the last thing I want to see is Russell Wilson in a Giants uniform. That would just be a nightmare to have to deal with. Because who knows? I mean, quarterbacks are all playing until they're like 100 at this point. I guess everybody's just drinking from the fountain of youth, and they're all playing until they're 40. Of course, once they get old, like Ben Roethlisberger, oh boy do they age. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had a wall. They were 11-0. Remember, they were 11-0 last year. The Steelers were 11-0. and What happened? <laughs> Good Lord. Speaking of uh, slumps, are the Wizards in a slump? Or is it something bigger? Chris Miles is gonna tell us next. Nick Ashew on the fan. Wizards and Pistons tied at twenty-two with about a minute and a half to go in the first quarter. They've lost eight of twelve after that ten and three start. There was a lot of excitement around them. This is one of those things now where you watch a team and it's a crossroads. It's okay. You gonna let this define the rest of your season? Is it just a slump? Or is it something that becomes a lot more than that? We'll bring in Chris Miles, our buddy, of course, from NBA TV. Uh, I guess we'll start with that, man. Like the Wizards now, this is more than just a few games. I mean, they've lost eight of twelve. Bradley Beal seems to be uncomfortable in his—I don't want to say role, but like, I, I guess it really just kind of is like, like who he is on this team and how he handles just whether it's being as much of a score as it used to be. It's just, it's a weird dynamic with all of the players they have, all the depth. These are things we talked about before the season, Chris. Is this just a, a mini slump for the Wizards, or are you seeing some trends where you go, uh, this is not good, this may turn into something a lot bigger for them? Well,
3: uh, first and foremost, good to hear from you, Hollywood. Uh, second, man, this is one of those games where they're facing a Pistons team who's absolutely uh, putrid and have lost nine in a row. Like, you just win this game, and then you you worry about the narrative after that. If they lose this game, it is so bad for what's happening this season that it, I feel like if they lost this game, it would take all of the goodwill away from early in the season. Um, and also, I mean, you look at this team – 14-11 is still better than where they were the last two seasons when they started 8-17. So it's like, it's just the way that it feels right now. I think more than the record.
2: I'll say this one thing about the Pistons. Uh, not bad for uh, a really bad team when it comes to covering, though. They cover it a pretty decent amount. So there's always that sneaky situation with the Pistons. But uh, So the Pacers are... Essentially saying they're going to rebuild, and you got names being thrown around like Demontis Sabonis, who's a two-time All-Star, and then the question is, well, should the Wizards get involved? Here's my thing, Chris. I look at a Wizards team that obviously is deep, and you still haven't had uh, Thomas Bryant back yet, or Rui Hachimura out on the floor this year, which is only going to make them more deep. Where depth is good, but you can only get, you can have too much of it at the same time, too. They do have assets now. Their first-round pick is kind of an issue, but you know when you look at this team, should they consider? maybe making a move, maybe trying to almost consolidate that depth a little bit?
3: Absolutely. Um, I think Miles Turner is a perfect fit to what they have and also to what they're lacking. So that's number one on my list. Um, And then if DeMontis Sabonis is available, I don't know if he's a great fit. Now I say Miles Turner because essentially he's a bigger and improved version on the bigs that they have now like he can shoot from outside, he likes to block shots, um, has been a league leader in that category for a couple of years now, and is really not a guy that uh, needs to take too many shots. So all of those things kind of fit into the equation if you're the Wizards. Um, I would absolutely put together a package him. but I know, as we've been told before, really Hachimura is, you know, untouchable, and I'm like, okay, if you want to make this team better, I think. It it is consolidating some of these pieces. Uh, Obviously, you know, you're not going to get a superstar like Russell Westbrook was, you know, averaging a triple-double for you. But I think Miles Turner would be the piece from the Pacers that I think they should absolutely go for.
2: Where are you on Bradley Beal and the way that he's playing for this team?
3: Uh, It's what I've I've said the past couple of years. In the beginning of this year, I was proved wrong. But I think Brad is one of those guys that gets his numbers but doesn't really have an impact on winning. Um, and, I, and I said this when John was at the peak of his powers. It's like, hey, when John Wall starts playing well and getting his assists up, even his points up, the Wizards win, game, win, uh, win games. I never felt that way about Bradley Beal. I've, I've always said, like, it seems that if he scores in the first three quarters, then in the a clutch not as good, or if they're down by 10 and he makes a couple of buckets, it's never the significant, you know, DeMar DeRozan leading the NBA in fourth quarter points. Bradley Beal's never in that category. So. I think he's a really good, incredible talent, but not necessarily the closer. And this team is looking for him to be the closer. That's really what it is.
2: Yeah, it's just because for so long, man, like he's been, you know, he's had to take really the offensive load on his shoulders for for years. And now you have so many other options out there. When I watch him at times, I kind of feel like, like you see a little more of a facilitator, which he really did get better at when John Wall was out of the lineup at the beginning. And he was kind of the de facto point guard a lot of times for this team. But it just does feel like to me, Chris, when I watch Beal, there's a little more of a passiveness to him where he wants to make sure that everybody else is involved, which is a good mindset. But you kind of need him to be a little bit more of a take over the game type of scorer like we've seen in the past too. Of course, then there's the issues with him in the fourth quarter where he just seems to disappear.
3: Yeah, he said something really interesting um, when they were still on a roll. He's like, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's our fourth quarter guy. Mm -hmm. No, Brad. This is your, this is your team.
2: Yeah,
3: uh, I know you had nine assists in that particular game, and you won. And Spencer did win. He, Kyle Kuzma, you know, they made I want to say it was like nine threes that particular game. But no, you are the one. Like everyone points to you. So I, again, it's one of those things where I think he has everything in his um, repertoire except can you get me a bucket at the end of the game? And as simple as that sounds. I don't know why someone that talented can't do it, but until you know proven otherwise, that's, that's the book on him.
2: Yeah, and, and it's frustrating because you see the talent there and then you watch in the fourth quarter, and his clutch numbers are not good, and they haven't been good for a long time. Talking to Chris Miles of NBA TV. So Damian Lillard, of course, in the news again. I mean, now it's, well, they don't have a general manager there. They fired him, and the new GMs that want to come in, some are questioning whether, you know, the candidates. There's reports that, yeah, they're, like, not sure if they want to give Damian Lillard an extension and, Uh, This is he's came out today and said he's not asking for a trade, which we know doesn't mean he actually doesn't maybe consider wanting to leave. Stephen A. Smith says the only place he wants to go is New York. There's a lot of stuff surrounding Damian Lillard, and it's been there for a while. How do you see this situation with him in Portland coming together over, let's just say, the rest of this season?
3: Well, one, I can't believe you cited Stephen
2: A. Smith, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the first part. That we'll move back that. Wow! Just, <laughs> just direct shot from you. To, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I don't. I can't give
3: credence to anything that man says. But when it comes, to, and obviously, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, so I wish that to be true. Right. But I think, look, the best fit for Damian Lillard is uh, Philly, <laughs> right? And it's just, if the reputation of Ben Simmons did not go as far as it has gone, I think we would have already seen that. Now with C.J. McCollum, I mean, we talked about this on our show, I think, Saturday. And I think Sharania tweeted out yesterday about the Ben Simmons, um, you know, C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard situation. I'm like, yeah, it's something that we've heard. Same thing with the Sacramento Kings. I mean, we keep hearing, like, Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, like these three guys – And nothing has happened. And it's like, do you believe where there's smoke, there's fire? I kind of do, but a lot of times when we're focused on the player like we could be focused on Damian Lillard, there's probably other guys that are being made available, and Damian Lillard knows that, and he's trying to be quiet. Right? Um, So I I think the Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard wanting to play together thing, I think there was something to that. I think C.J. McCollum's injury uh, put that in jeopardy. That's what I firmly believe.
2: Uh, it, it pains me to talk about this next thing, but I'm going to do it because I'm a professional, as you know. Um, Luka is kind of fat, I guess, right? I mean, is that is that where we are? <laughs> is Luka Doncic now just out of shape? And uh, it's Look, man, he's still averaging 25 points a game, but he does not look like the same player. How much of this is that he is out of shape? Because apparently he was like 30 pounds overweight when he came into training camp. How much? And, and he did talk about it, He did acknowledge he needs to be in better shape. How much of this is that, and how much of this is new coach, kind of a different system, and he's also been injured in, in and out of the lineup a little bit in Dallas?
3: Well, first of all, it's Huka Doncic to you, right? Yeah. Huka Doncic. Huka
2: Doncic, yes. You know, I, uh, I look, I uh, still believe he will win his seven MVPs. Seven MVPs for Luka, don't you worry. I still believe in my well, man crush, but he's not. He, he's looking a little sloppy recently.
3: As president of Team Yannis Club, Good luck catching up there, buddy. <laughs> but here's what, here's what I think. And as you know, I have a lot of insight with the Dallas Mavericks uh, with several friends down there. It is clearly a lack of uh, help around him. That is what's believed. That is understood. And he bumped heads with Rick Carlisle, so they, they shipped him out and named their next three best players. Like you say, Luka Doncic... And then, who's the second best player? Tim Hardaway
2: Jr. I guess it's Christophe Chris Porzingis, right? Yeah,
3: hurt too much. But that's the thing, King Chris is hurt too much. So it's like, how often is he in the lineup? What's the record? And then you kind of realize, like, man, look at other teams that are, that are built properly, and they have a number of players that you would mention, and you wouldn't mention anyone beyond those three guys. I mean, you could say Reggie Bullock, just jacking up threes and all off, like the next guy you would name, and you you just wouldn't. Um, most of those guys wouldn't crack other teams' rotations, so I think the Mavericks have got to do something with uh, that group, and also, I know Luca got hurt over the summer, so that's why he came in uh, out of shape, but you know, he, whether Luca reaches that promise, I think is how they build the rest of that team, um, him being in shape or out of shape, and how he's has I really think it's more about the, the full complexity of that squad.
2: What is it about Dallas? Like, I understand people talk about the Wizards not being able to attract free agents. D.C. is a great city, but I get it. The Wizards have been a mediocre team in purgatory for years at best. So when they've even had the cap space, they haven't been able to attract any free agents necessarily. But like, the Mavericks have had a lot more success than the Wizards over you know, the last decade or so. Why can't Dallas get more talent to the Mavericks organization?
3: So what's really interesting is I've heard players say that playing for Mark Cuban is the best experience. You're treated the best, yeah. and blah blah blah. And I've always wondered this too. And the only thing I could think of is this: that, that and, but it, it, I guess this doesn't really ring true for DC. That there are cities that culturally are just more appealing to NBA players. I don't know if Dallas is on that list, mm-hmm. right? I just I don't I don't really hear about like oh I'm going to Dallas like do something, right? Like it's not really a place yeah. where NBA players congregate when they're not playing basketball. That's interesting. We know that Houston is. We know yeah. Miami is. The South Beach flew. Um, <laughs> D.C. to an extent. Atlanta has been, but it, it's never really panned out for them in basketball. L.A. New York, as you mentioned, I mean, those places, we know that. So I wonder if that's just part of it because the culture, the championship, you know, it was a decade ago – it seems like players like it, but like you said, free agents don't go there.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating to me because I think Mark Cuban is a great owner, and I'm surprised more players don't want to. But there's so many factors I think that people don't think about that goes into this where there are players and it's their lives, too. Obviously, they can have they have homes all over the place, but you still have to play in that city, and there's a lot of factors that that get put into that. He's Chris Miles. Check him out on Twitter, at TV. Love the work, of course, on NBA TV. Keep up the great work, my friend. It's good talking to you.
3: Yeah, make sure to watch NBA TV tonight. Uh, tune in at ten thirty. I'll be on at two AM. Nick. Also, if you're ready to sleep, because I know you're an early bird, get up in the morning. Watch
2: more NBA TV. We have fun on that channel, man. There you go. The more NBA TV, the better. I'll <laughs> talk to you soon, buddy. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Yeah, the Mavericks are a team where you kind of go. I mean, I, I want to play for mark cuban but there's there's more factors in it than that so uh wizards update coming up plus we will uh, i'm gonna apologize in advance chris russell's joining us at eight things will go off the rails i can make that promise now nick Ashew on overtime I think Miles Turner
3: is a perfect fit to what they have and also to what they're lacking. Now, I say Miles Turner because essentially, he's a bigger and improved version on the bigs that they have now. like he can shoot from outside, he likes to block shots, um, has been a league leader in that category for a couple of years now, and is really not a guy that uh, needs to take too many shots. So all of those things kind of fit into the equation if you're the Wizards. Um I would absolutely put together a package for him, but I know as we've been told before, Rui really Hachimura is, you know, untouchable and I'm like, okay, if you want to make this team better, I think it it is consolidating some of these pieces. Uh obviously you know, you're not going to get a superstar like Russell Westbrook was. You know, averaging a triple double for you. But I think Miles Turner would be the piece from the Pacers that I think they should absolutely go for.
2: That was Chris Miles' last segment. Nick Ashew on overtime. Uh, the Wizards may have to shake things up more because they've lost eight of 12 and they're down to the horrible, awful Pistons, 42-34 right now. About seven and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. I'll say this: The Pistons do cover on a regular basis, but winning a game—that's uh, going to be a really bad scenario if Washington loses to Detroit, and that's when you're going to start to hear rumblings of like, "Okay, this thing maybe isn't working." Uh, th- this is the problem. They started ten and three, and you have—you know—you're down seventeen to the Pacers recently, twenty-five to the Raptors, thirty-six to the Cavs over this three-game losing streak. They're in the middle of right now, and they're down eight to the Pistons. And the Pistons are a really bad basketball team. They are they are not good at all. And this is when teams start to see things unravel. If you are on a three-game losing streak and you lose to a 4-19 and 19 Pistons team, that's when the trade rumors may start. And, look, it's natural because these are... The Pacers have essentially said, we're going to rebuild. So our top three guys are available. We'll see what could happen here. The only thing with Miles Turner is, like, that's a shot blocker. He's similar but better than Daniel Gafford. So are you then flipping Daniel Gafford back to the Pacers in the process? I'd love to see DeMontis Sabonis. Guy's a double-double machine. But if you decide as a team, if you're the Wizards and you got all these assets, and my theory always was Tommy Shepard has been playing the long game with everything, and one step is the caveat to another step, right? Like, he trades John Wall for Russell Westbrook, knowing that he's going to try and flip that contract. And he got out of that John Wall contract and essentially got a lot of talent from the Lakers in return. It just took a couple of moves and a couple of steps to make that happen. And I think it was brilliant. What Tommy Shepard has been able to do in the short amount of time, cleaning up Ernie Grunfeld's fiery child's dirty diaper sitting on the front porch of someone's house he did a fantastic job in such a short amount of time, but you then have to figure out, okay, what what's the what's the ceiling for this Wizards team, and does this eight of twelve stretch and three game losing streak after starting ten and three, does that become the norm? Does that become a problem when you still haven't had Thomas Bryant back yet? Though he looks like he's going to hopefully be back soon. Rehatchemore will be back soon as well. Okay, then you're even deeper. Then you've got even more guys that you're trying to figure out just a, a plain time aspect for. Like, you can have too much depth on a team. Davis Bertans, who they spent all this money on, is basically a non-factor for a good portion of the season. Corey Kispert's the first-round pick. He doesn't play at all. Like, you'd like to see some time for some of these younger guys, these first-round picks. Denny Avdia, he's played well. He's, got, he's already got 10 points tonight. But, you know, if you're constantly moving guys' minutes around, and you don't have a set rotation... Wizards are down 11 now, by the way, 49-38. This, this has the potential to be ugly if they lose this game. And look, good, good teams find ways to stay motivated over a long season. It's an 82-game schedule, and it is massively hard, especially after Christmas. You start in January and February. That's when teams really start to get bored. They'll admit it. Players will talk about this. They will tell you those are like the dog days of summer in baseball. It's the dog days of winter. And we all get that way, right? January and February, the holidays are done. It's still cold around here. And you're like, good, can we just have some warm weather? It's still dark outside at 5 o'clock, and all I want to do is sleep all day. These slow starts for Washington and games recently have been a problem. you got to figure out how to get motivated. you got to figure out how to turn this around. Beal's 3 of 6. He's only got 6 points in this game. Avdi is their leading scorer. And, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, if you start looking bored... That's a big problem. And Trey Young said something earlier this year that really stood out to me when he talked about the Hawks. They made the conference finals last year, remember? And he said, well, the regular season is kind of boring. we got to figure out how to get you know a little more motivated. You better because you haven't been to the finals or won a title yet. You don't get to talk about the regular season being bored until you've won multiple titles in the NBA, multiple titles as a team. You know who could get bored during the regular season? Was the Spurs in their prime. And they made sure they were ready for the playoffs, and they usually were. Except that year that the Grizzlies upset them as a eight versus one. That, that, was, that was not good. Majority of the time, that was the case, right? The Warriors, maybe at times, could get a little bored. They have, but they've won multiple titles. And now look at them again, running through teams again. You really don't get the opportunity or the leeway to be bored during the regular season if you ain't done anything in the playoffs yet. And that's where the Wizards are. They're down by 14 points to the Detroit Pistons, who have won four games all season. All that fun, that 10-3 and three start, all that excitement. Oh, here come the Wizards. Things are going to be different. That's starting to disappear very, very quickly. Uh, Chris Russell's next. Let's just make sure. He texted me. You never know with Russell if he says, he's, I'm in traffic. I'm running late. I apologize in advance. Chris Russell's going to be up next. This will probably go off the rails, CK.